As we come to look at Jonah chapter 3 tonight and we look at how God had compassion on the city, our prayers of intercession, our prayers for others tonight will focus on our own city of Belfast and those who live within it. And before I pray tonight, Mark asked me to give you a little bit of a personal context for this prayer. So some of you might remember way back in February, which seems like ages ago, I gave a Life Builders on Urban Mission, which because at the time I was based up in North Belfast in an inner city church, working within um, Protestant and Roman Catholic communities. About a week after that, I went for a job interview with Simon Community um, in Belfast and have since moved on to head up their volunteering program, which gives me the enormous privilege of meeting loads of different people on a daily basis. Um, but we are very aware of the trauma, the pain, the fear that people face on a regular basis. Um, but since coming there and since working in North Belfast, I'm also very aware of the love that God has uh, for our city and the love he has for each and every one who lives within it and the potential and the worth that each person has. So our prayers will focus on that tonight. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we pray for your world and all your children in it. As Christ stood alongside us in our human frailty and the poverty of our lives, would you enable us to stand with those who are facing the brunt of human wickedness? We ask, Lord, that as you send each of us out, you would fill us with compassion and the tenderness of Christ. Send us to comfort the helpless, hold the broken, and be fearless in our love. Lord, we pray for those who are robbed of their innocence and dignity, for men, women, and children who are physically emotionally and sexually abused or exploited for someone else's pleasure or gain. For those who are treated differently because of their colour, their nationality or their gender. Father, challenge and compel us to see others as you see them. A beautiful and unique son or daughter created in your image. Give us the determination to share the love of Christ which knows no boundaries and accepts no barriers or limitations. We pray for the mother or father whose heart aches for a son or daughter who finds themselves in the grip of addiction or depression. In their darkness, Father, would you be the light of hope? We pray for the husband or wife faced with financial difficulties and the fear of what the next few months might bring. Father, in their darkness, would you be their light of peace? We pray for the person who has no place to call home, for whom the world is a cold and unwelcoming place, for those whose hearts ache for even a little compassion. Father, in their darkness, would you be their light of love? Father, we lift before you those who are facing the prospect of losing their home through redundancy, debt, or the breakdown of a relationship. God of refuge and shelter, we pray your protection over them. Father, we pray for all who face the long nighttime of loneliness, weariness, purposelessness, 
and hopelessness. God, who came to the world in darkness, we pray for your light to break free. Heavenly Father, we pray for all those who stand with others so that they do not face their darkness alone. For those who draw alongside when everyone else turns away. Father God, in a world which fears tomorrow and fears the other, strengthen us to be your people of courage. In a world where prejudice and hatred are all too often the default mode, empower us to be your people of love. May we see you in the eyes of each person we meet. May we see beyond the current circumstances and chaos of someone's life to their worth, their value and their potential. Thank you that through your grace, none of us are defined by our past. We pray also for communities throughout Northern Ireland who continue to live under the fist of paramilitary groups. We ask that your mercy and peace would flood streets filled with fear and mistrust. Father, through these situations, we are reminded that so often violence only results in more violence, more wounds inflicted, more bloodshed and more heartache for families. Father, come with your love and your healing, we pray. God, empower each of us to be your agents of reconciliation and the catalysts of change in our own city, where the wounds and scars of decades of conflict are still evident. We ask that in the aftermath of years of conflict, pain and hurt, that our wee country would be and continue to be a great inspiration of hope and transformation and light to the rest of the world. Father, we know that we do not have to wait to be the change. That our calling to go into the world to love with your love is not restricted to certain days or times. But that with each new morning comes the opportunity to show the world that your love remains, your hope is real, and that your light will never be overcome. In your mercy and faithfulness, Father, hear each of our prayers this evening. Amen. Our reading tonight is from Jonah chapter 3. Then the word of the Lord came to Jonah a second time. Go to the great city of Nineveh and proclaim to it the message I give you. Jonah obeyed the word of the Lord and went to Nineveh. Now Nineveh was a very important city. A visit required three days. On the first day, Jonah started into the city. He proclaimed, 40 more days and Nineveh will be overturned. The Ninevites believed God. They declared a fast, and all of them, from the greatest to the least, put on sackcloth. When the news reached the king of Nineveh, he rose from his throne, took off his royal robes, covered himself with sackcloth, and sat down in the dust. Then he issued a proclamation in Nineveh. By the decree of the king and his nobles, do not let any man or beast, herd or flock, taste anything. Do not let them eat or drink, but let man and beast be covered with sackcloth. Let everyone call urgently on God. Let them give up their evil ways and their violence. Who knows? God may yet relent and with compassion turn from his fierce anger so that we will not perish. When God saw what they did and how they turned from their evil ways, 
he had compassion and did not bring upon them the destruction he had threatened. Amen. Well, thank you very much. We really have had a treat tonight. Um, this last week I had a sad privilege of conducting the funeral of uh, Gillian Rainey's dad, and that's uh, Tom and Harry's grandpa. And at that service, I highlighted a book that had been uh, very instrumental in Bruce's faith journey. He was a man in his 80s, but um, Damien had uh, had a, a Christianity Explained course, and, and during that time, uh, Bruce had come to that, and and Damien felt that, that he could uh, usefully benefit from this book. It's Timothy Keller's The Reason for God. Uh, Rick Warren, who is the author of uh, The Purpose Driven Life, says, this is the book I give to all my friends who are serious spiritual seekers or skeptics. Now, there are plenty of those around. The issue that, that Bruce wrestled with was the whole question of suffering. How can a good God permit uh, um, bad things to happen. And, and that's one of the issues that, that Keller deals with in this book. Uh, and he also deals with things like that there just can't be one true religion, can there? Or um, science has disproved Christianity, uh, or you can't take the Bible literally. So, so there are lots of very interesting uh, chapters in this. Now, it's normally £9.99, which I think is £10. Um, but I'm going to give this copy away free to the first person who puts their hand up and says they want it. All right, okay. There we go, that's for you. Now, there is only one condition, and that is that once you've read it, once you've read it, you'll give it to somebody else who you think would benefit from it. Okay. I think there is a copy, Karen, on the uh, bookstall or out there on our church uh, um, library, so uh, if others of you want it. Uh, oh, yes, the other thing is I've discovered it is available free on PDF uh, online, so uh, uh, that's a good thing. All right, well, we'll return now to our scriptural reading, which is uh, uh, found on page 928. And uh, you'll see that Jonah is a very small book, just four chapters. Maybe that's why I like it. Uh, and uh, we did notice that uh, in the Middle Eastern mind, Mark has already referred to this, uh, the most important thing in uh, literature, often in the Psalms, and certainly in this book, the most important thing is bang in the middle. And uh, we noticed that in chapter 2, verse 9. Right in the middle of this book, we have the most key phrase of all. Salvation comes from the Lord. And this is a book of two parts. So look at chapter 1, verse 1, uh, and we see there, the word of the Lord came to Jonah, the son of Amittai. Isn't it interesting? We've just been singing, God calls us by name. Well, he does. He called Jonah by name, uh, and he said, go to the great city. Uh, of Nineveh and preach against it because its wickedness has come against me. But instead of being prepared to go, Jonah the prophet said, no. 
We would never be like that, would we? But by saying no to God, that was a bad idea. And instead of arising in the company of God, what happens here in defiance of God, it leads to a downward spiral. And we see that Jonah went down. Uh, instead of arising, as he was told to do, he went down to Joppa, that is, to the port. He then went on board a ship. He went down into the hold of the ship that was heading for Tarshish. And as we know, he went down eventually to the depths of the sea. And it wasn't, in fact, until he had sunk down lower than he had ever been before that we see in chapter 2, verse 4, that he determined to look up again. And in the belly of the great fish, we're told his prayer rose to the Lord, who graciously heard and answered his cry. And you see what happened in chapter 2, verse 10. The Lord commanded the fish, and it vomited Jonah onto the dry land. Was it that the fish had simply fulfilled his unusual uh, responsibility or was it that God was sick of Jonah's bigotry and his refusal to share the gospel with the Ninevites? Well, whatever, uh, we see uh, uh, how Jonah in chapter 4 verse 3 acknowledges something very, very significant. He acknowledges that the Lord is gracious, he is compassionate, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love. He had been very kind to this 8th century uh, BC prophet. Uh, and so now we come to chapter 3 and what Richard read to us. And, and in the same way as chapter 1 verse 1 says, the word of the Lord came to Jonah, go. Now this time, chapter 3 verse 1, then the word of the Lord came to Jonah a second time. And what is he saying this time? Funny enough, go, go to the great city of Nineveh and proclaim to it the message I give to you. And this time, chapter 3, verse 3, Jonah obeyed the word of the Lord and went to Nineveh. To, to quote my very good friend David Couples, after God's washing machine treatment, where Jonah was washed, rinsed, and spun, Jonah was ready to hear. He was ready to hear the word of the Lord so that the Ninevites might hear the word of the Lord. For those two things are inextricably tied up together. And unless Jonah responds to the hearing of God's word himself, there is little chance for the Ninevites who in verse 4 we see are going to be destroyed unless they too hear and respond to God's word. In Romans chapter 12, or chapter 10 rather, Romans 10, the Apostle Paul is talking to Christians who are living in the city of Rome about hugely profound things. And if you want to glance over to page 1137, uh, you can have a look at this yourself. Page 1137, we're now in the New Testament. This is after Jesus. Jonah is before Jesus. 
And now Paul is writing to the Christians in Rome uh, after Jesus. And, and in Romans chapter 10, verse 9, there's a very famous verse. I remember as a child, there was a, there was a chorus actually. It went, Romans 10 and 9 is a favorite verse of mine. And I went on to say, if you confess with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Uh, as we were saying this morning, it's, it's not all about me, it's all about him, all right? You confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart, you will find salvation. Well, Jonah had found salvation. He confessed that God was God that he was Lord. He wasn't. Uh, and then he goes on, uh, uh, Paul says in verse 12, something very, very profound. Because he says there's no difference between who? No difference between Jews and Gentiles. Or we might say between Jonah and the Ninevites. The same Lord is Lord of all and richly blesses all who call on him, because everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. And so here we have Jonah, who has received and experienced the grace of God for himself, is now given a second opportunity to, go, to do what God had originally asked him to do, and that is proclaim the gospel, God's word to these Gentiles. Because what does Paul go on to say in Romans 10 verse 14? How then can Jew or Gentile call on the one they have not believed in? How can they believe in the one of whom they have not heard? How can they hear without somebody preaching to them? And how can they preach unless they are sent? And then he sums it up superbly in verse 17. For faith comes from hearing the message and the message is heard through the word of Christ. So here's Jonah, reluctant, bigoted Jonah, who hears the word of the Lord a second time. And at long last, he's ready to share what he has come to know himself, and he's prepared to go to the great city of Nineveh and proclaim the message. What message? Chapter 3, verse 2. The message I give you. Yes? It's only God's message that is worth hearing. And it's only the word of the Lord that transforms lives and communities and situations. The other day I was talking with somebody else about a speaker we had both heard at a high-profile event, and we had felt a bit uneasy about it, if truth be told. And the other person summed it up perfectly well. I rather thought there was a bit too much of him. And what was it? Rather too much of him. Not enough of the word of the Lord. Because the only message worth communicating communicating is the one that God gives. And that's what makes the difference. And so for all Jonah's past failings, now what is it we're told? Jonah obeyed. 
the word of the Lord. And he went to Nineveh, and there, verse 4, Jonah proclaimed, 40 more days, and Nineveh will be overturned. So that must have been the message God had given him to say, or at least the summary of it, in a succinct sentence. And verse 5 tells us, the Ninevites believed God. So do you see? Jonah, having himself obeyed the word of the Lord, proclaimed the message God gave him, and now the Ninevites don't simply believe what Jonah had got to say, but even more profoundly, the Ninevites believed God. Isn't that superb? And they declared a fast, and all of them, from the greatest to the least, put on sackcloth, and the king, we're told in verse 6, gave an incredibly strong lead, and he decreed in verses 7 and 8 that the entire city should call urgently on God, give up their evil ways and violence, because who knows, verse 9, God may yet relent and with compassion turn away from his fierce anger so that the people would not perish. Now, just for a wee moment, let me take a break from the text, and uh, let's go back to a question that some of you may have had uh, a little earlier in this series on Jonah. Um, do you see in chapter 1, verse 17, we read there, the Lord provided a great fish to swallow Jonah, and Jonah was inside the fish three days and three nights. Now, the question is this. And you may have been asking this question, is this not an incredible story? I mean to say, a fully grown man swallowed by a fish and then vomited up again on dry land. Is that not beyond comprehension? And the answer is yes. This is an absolutely incredible story. And that's actually what makes it so remarkable. We've already noticed that alone of all the prophets in the Bible, Jonah is the only one to whom Jesus directly compares himself. We can see that in Matthew chapter 12, 38 to 41. Some of the scribes, some of the Pharisees had demanded to see Jesus conjure up a miracle. But the Lord Jesus never did a miracle on demand, only to illustrate what the new order of life within the kingdom of God looks like. And he said to them, a wicked and adulterous generation asks for a miraculous sign. But none will be given except the sign of the prophet Jonah. Because as Jonah was three days and three nights in the belly of a huge fish, so the Son of Man will be three days and three nights in the heart of the earth. The men of Nineveh, he says, will stand up at the judgment with this generation and condemn it because they repented at the preaching of Jonah. And now one greater than Jonah is here. Jonah inside a fish for three days and three nights was an incredible story. An outrageous story. 
But do you know something? It is pointing forward to another even more incredible story. 800 years later, the Lord Jesus would be crucified. He was dead. He was buried. And then three days later, God, his loving heavenly Father, delivered him up for our trespasses. He raised him from the dead for our justification. How can a man survive in the belly of a fish for three days? And the answer is he probably can't unless it's a miracle, a sign of God's gracious and powerful intervention. And so even as Jonah was down deep in the depths for his own sin and vomited up onto the dry land as an illustration to the Ninevites of the nature and the character of God who judges sin but delights in repentance. So the cross and the resurrection of Christ, the sinless one, who went down into the depths of hell, for our salvation is the ultimate miracle that ever will be given to people so that they in turn may change, look to God and find a brand new start. And here's the point you see. Having heard about this incredible fishman Jonah the Ninevites listened to what he had to say with bated breath, and they responded with wholehearted repentance and faith. And now that Jesus has died on the cross for our sins and been raised again, how are we going to respond to him? If these pagan Ninevites on hearing of impending judgment, repented and fasted and covered themselves in sackcloth and ashes. How are we to respond when we hear that Jesus, the sinless Son of God, took our place, died our death, grants the Holy Spirit to dwell within our lives, giving us the power to live lives of joyful surrender and resurrection hope? I just wonder if we become too familiar with this most outrageous story ever told. And forget that it is so incredible that the message of the cross not merely changed one city with 120,000 people, but the whole world. That from nothing, the whole Roman Empire was transformed within a century of Jesus' death and resurrection. And still today, Christianity is the fastest growing faith in all the earth with many, many thousands of Muslims coming to faith in Christ every single week. So if God raised Jesus from the dead, is there anything that God cannot do? 
If a city as wicked and violent as Nineveh could be transformed by the testimony of Jonah, is there any place, is there any one beyond the transforming power of the cross and his resurrection? We're nearly done. Just one more thought. In Jonah chapter 3, God recommissioned Jonah for service. Jonah ought to have obeyed in chapter 1, but he didn't. And it took a very dramatic life experience before Jonah was prepared to do as the Lord required him to live. What would it take before we would be prepared to live fully and wholly, transparently, obedient lives in God's service? What would it take? If Jesus went all the way to the cross and there by his glorious death paid it all in order to give us a brand new beginning, a whole new start, what is your response, mine? As the word of the Lord comes to us a second time or a third time or for the nth time, might it even be possible under the sovereignty of God that even the worst and the most difficult and the most rotten and the most awful experiences associated with my past disobedience might even be redeemed and woven into God's story, which we in turn may share with others to whom God sends us, within whom God's Holy Spirit is already at work. Is that inconceivable? Is that beyond belief? I don't think so. And Jesus didn't think so either. Shall we pray? Oh, our gracious Lord, as Jonah discovered the immeasurable riches of your grace, that you are a gracious and compassionate Lord, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love. As Jonah experienced salvation that comes from you, so we bless you that when he proclaimed that to those who didn't know, that they responded. Our Heavenly Father, we bless you that Jesus has paid it all, that we have received a salvation that is absolutely incredible. And he is well able to do in the lives of others what he has done in our lives. Dear God, 
as we go from here this evening into the coming week with all that it holds, we pray, our Heavenly Father, we would be sensitive to your leading, to your word, to your direction, to your encouragement, to your word to go, to proclaim in Jesus' name.